Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In 1995, Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp made one of the most widely observed discoveries of the 20th century, a 19-mile-wide great comet that was slowly making its way near the Earth. We've seen many comets before and continue to see them today, but this one, designated by scientists as C-1995, or commonly known as Hale-Bopp after its discoverers, was definitely the brightest. If you were old enough to remember, The 90s marked the humble beginnings of the internet. Yes, believe it or not, the internet was not always as accessible nowadays. With the Hale-Bopp's discovery and the new technology of the internet, several websites followed this discovery and in turn created a huge following around the world. Both amateur and professionals tracked the comet religiously, creating an excitement. Through the studies of the comet, it was found that it will soon be visible to the naked eye in May 1996 and will be closest in distance to the Earth on March 22, 1997. Almost every day, new images of the comet were distributed digitally through these websites seen by loyal followers. Of course, with the excitement of this scientific discovery brought out some not-so-scientific believers. It was a fact that the last time Hale-Bopp orbited the Earth was about 2200 BC, and it was used as a sign by people back then as the end of times. To compound this, an amateur astronomer snapped an image of the comet in 1996, which showed a blurry object trailing nearby. Unable to determine what this object was, there were many who believed that it was an alien spacecraft or an unidentified flying object, UFO. Alan Hale debunked this theory almost immediately and stated that it was a star. But this was 1996. Internet facts remain unchecked and unverified. So with that said, the UFO theory became gospel to many. This so-called fact even went as far as declaring the comet will be the Earth's undoing and will cause a global cataclysm. As the comet closes in on Earth, a small population prepared for the beginning of the end. It's now or never. We, they say, cannot miss this chance. The dark side of this bright comet will bring tragedy to many lives. You are listening to Untimely, a podcast about events in earlier or recent history that resulted in untimely fatalities and damages in its wake. I am your host, Lynn. In today's episode, we'll learn about how the discovery and appearance of the Hale-Bopp Comet led to a grim discovery in an affluent suburb of San Diego, California. 
Now, there have been documentaries and other podcasts about this event, and I do recommend viewing and listening to them all because there are so many layers to this entire thing, and there's always something new to learn. The 1970s was called the Me Decade as it was an age of self-discovery and of new technologies. It was quite groovy to ask, what's your sign, to anyone you just met, which basically means they're asking what your astrological sign is or where you belong to. Astrological signs are 12 symbols based on constellations, which is determined by when your date of birth falls under. For example, I was born within January 22nd and February 21st, which means that I belong to the astrological sign Aquarius. Believers of astrology subscribe to the thought process that your fate is decided by the alignment of the stars above. At the same time, many of those who were born, who grew up, or who matured in the 1970s formed strong beliefs about extraterrestrial or alien life. After all, Movies such as Star Wars, Close Encounter of the Third Kind, and Alien were filmed and produced in the 1970s, and to this day, these movies remain influential and are lauded for their originality. Enter two star-crossed individuals, Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite, both natives of Houston, Texas. In 1972, Bonnie and Marshall met at a hospital where Bonnie was a nurse. It was an instantaneous connection which sparked this symbiotic relationship, and Marshall went as far as declaring Bonnie as his soulmate. It is important to note that their relationship was not sexual, but for the lack of a better word, metaphysical. Bonnie was a self-proclaimed astrologer, and both she and Marshall believed that their meeting was foretold by extraterrestrials, which led them to start a journey of a lifetime. With the belief that they were placed on Earth to save humanity, the two began recruiting members to join their journey to fulfillment. Without hesitation, both Bonnie and Marshall left their families, including their children, to start their mission. After creating a failed spiritual center fronting as a bookstore, the two hit the road to invite crew members. While recruiting, they took on odd jobs or sold blood to keep on going all the while continuing to study the Bible, astrology, and extraterrestrials. They went to different states such as Missouri, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Oregon, and California where they spoke about their beliefs in churches and other religious gatherings. At this point, Bonnie and Marshall shed their given names and introduced themselves as The Two while individually referring to themselves as Bo and Peep and later Doe and T where Doe will be Marshall and T is Bonnie. They originally named their group as HIM, or Human Individual Metamorphosis, but had other names that matched the ideologies of what they were currently preaching. By 1975, the two had about 70 followers living a nomadic lifestyle of camping outside and living free. But in a stroke of luck, one follower passed away and left the group a large sum of money which they used to buy housing, materials, and some land to settle. By 1980, Marshall and Bonnie's group grew to 80, 
many of which held jobs such as early computer technicians or mechanics. Although their followers were allowed to have contact with their families, Marshall and Bonnie limited these vacations away from the group and completely controlled all their movements. They controlled the way they speak by using their own terms. For example, their house is called a craft, or their kitchen is called the Nutri-Lab or Nutrition Lab. They also controlled their appearances. Once a person joins the group, they receive the same haircut as everybody else. Members also had to give up their possessions and live a simple lifestyle. From 1976 until 1991, the group disappeared into the shadows and immersed themselves in their beliefs. So what do they believe in? In a nutshell, their belief is that their physical being is merely a vehicle onto which they will be picked up by a higher being in the form of a UFO called Next Level. Through many variations of their teachings, Marshall became a sort of relative of Jesus or descendant of Jesus, while Bonnie was sometimes presented as God. At one point, Marshall became the incarnation of Jesus. This continued on for many years until in 1985, Bonnie Nettles, or T, passed away. Obviously, her death posed a slight tear in their gospel as instead of death, Bonnie's body was supposed to be resurrected and picked up by the spacecraft. With the devastation of Bonnie's death, Marshall was left to be shepherd to their flock. This was a pivotal moment in Marshall's ascension to leadership. It was also then that things started to change. Marshall used Bonnie's death as a chance to modify their beliefs and set up a new doctrine. Instead of resurrecting all at the same time, Marshall preached that Bonnie left her quote-unquote vehicle or body on Earth to prepare for the rest of the group's arrival. According to Marshall, Bonnie communicated with him constantly, and one day he will receive a sign as to when to prepare for their transition in their next life. For the most part, the group laid low but continued to spread their message to anyone who would listen. Then in the early 1990s, a brand new technology allowed Marshall to preach their doctrine to multitudes of listeners and viewers, the internet. The group emerged as the Total Overcomers Anonymous, spreading their gospel through videos. The internet also became a source of income for the group. Since many of their followers were tech-savvy, they offered website-building services. Marshall recorded himself while preaching of what he said was the last call for everyone on earth to join their group and their transition beyond this world. Last call then turned into last offer. This time, the group used a full-page ad in USA Today to offer their new recruits a better life. So with the use of internet marketing, advertisements, and public meetings, the group continued to reach many believers. 1995 is when the world was mesmerized by the newly discovered Hale-Bopp comet. As scientists studied this phenomenon, the New Age believers capitalized on this event. Since the comet was last seen around 2200 BC and was thought to have brought great change to the world, coincidentally, a mass four times the size of the Earth was photographed by an amateur astronomer blazing along with the comet. This object was then believed to be a UFO. One professor from Emory University named Courtney Brown publicly stated that through extrasensory perception, or ESP, 
and remote viewing, she was able to view the object and, as a matter of fact, said it was a UFO carrying aliens to visit the Earth. And for Marshall, this comet's presence could not have come at a better time. A year later, the group, now known as Heaven's Gate, settled in a rich neighborhood in San Diego, California. The end will now be their beginning. Rancho Santa Fe is a small town located north of the San Diego metropolitan area, around 25 miles or 40 kilometers from downtown San Diego. Despite its size, Rancho Santa Fe has always been an affluent neighborhood, and in the most recent census, the household median income is 113000 per year. Residents of this town include professional golfer Phil Mickelson, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, and KISS guitarist Ace Freely. As you could imagine, Rancho Santa Fe boasts of beautiful scenery, all-year-round Mediterranean weather, and huge mansions. One of these mansions was rented by Heaven's Gate in October 1996. They settled on a 9,000-square-foot mansion, which they called the Monastery. This is to become their base of operations. You see, Marshall received a message from Bonnie and said that the Hale-Bob Comet is their long-awaited spacecraft onto which they will be picked up and move on to their next life. The comet, along with the alleged UFO, the one they have been waiting for and preparing for, has finally come to get them. The year 1997 is the time to begin their departure. As they made their arrangements, the group attended a UFO convention and watched Star Trek. They need as much reference as they can in order to be successful in what they call as their graduation from this earthly life to the next. The comet will be closest to the Earth in days, and this will be their last chance to get on board. In the days between March 18 to 20, 1997, Marshall published a video reinstating their mission. On the evening of Friday, March 21st, Marshall and his followers ate their dinner at a Marie Calendar, a popular restaurant chain in Carlsbad. The restaurant prepared 39 of the same meal, as each one ordered a salad, a turkey pot pie, and topped it off with a delicious slice of blueberry cheesecake. It was a celebration, and they were particularly excited about their future. Tomorrow, the comet, their salvation, would be in its closest proximity to Earth. They are about to come home. It was Saturday, March 22nd. Members of the Heaven's Gate started the process inside the monastery. The first phase is to dress identically in a black long-sleeved shirt, black sweatpants, and a brand new pair of Nike Decades delivered the night before. Then, they carefully placed an armband patch on their left sleeve, stitched with the words, Heaven's Gate Away Team. Second phase is to pack a black overnight bag with some clothing, lip balm, and spiral notebooks. Then, each one placed a $5 bill and three quarters on their shirt pocket. The third phase was to leave their vehicles in waves. The first wave of 15 people ate pudding or applesauce, 
laced with a lethal dose of a barbiturate called phenobarbital used to treat seizures and insomnia. All 15 washed down this deadly concoction with vodka. After this ritual, the fourth phase, each one laid on their designated cots or bunks, some on a folding table, while some laid on a mattress on the floor. They faced up, arms tucked neatly on each side. They laid their black bags at the foot of the mattress, and with the help of the rest of the group, placed a white plastic bag over their heads and slowly pulled the elastic string to tighten up the grip on their necks. The plastic bag remained until their last breath is drawn and no life in their vehicles remain. Once they left their vehicle, the remaining members took the plastic bag off and placed a purple squared shroud with one corner covering the entire head and the rest gently covering the rest of the body. On Sunday, March 23rd, 15 more members performed the same ritual. On Monday, the remaining seven, including Marshall, did the same thing until there were only two left. The last two women followed the rest of their brethren on Tuesday, March 25th. All 39 men and women succeeded in their mission and have finally graduated. Deputy Sheriff Robert Bunk was asked to perform a wellness check on a residence inside a gated community of palatial homes near 18341 Colina Norte in San Diego County. The call was from an anonymous tip sent on Wednesday, March 26th. Another anonymous phone call from the Los Angeles County Sheriff fielded the same tip, which was also dispatched to the local office. As Deputy Sheriff Bunk approached the main door, he smelled an overpowering stench of decay. He knows the smell all too well, and with this realization, he called for backup. Another officer came, and they both entered the house. They called out to make their presence known, but were only met with echoes and the unsettling sound of complete silence. Room by room of the 9,000-square-foot home, they discovered body after body after body. The Southern California heat advanced the decomposition process and filled the warm air with an ungodly stench. Each body was covered in a purple piece of cloth, except for two, whose heads were covered in a white plastic bag. The same type of plastic bags were thrown in a pile in one of the rooms. At first, the officers in the coroner thought that all of these bodies were male, but on second look, there were females in the mix. The officers and detectives also thought that it was a murderous rampage caused these deaths, but without any injuries to their bodies or blood or any signs of struggle, it was then determined that each one died willingly. This theory was well supported by the various videotapes found in different areas of the house. On computer screens were images of aliens in a screen flashing red alert and a handwritten note on each monitor saying, Do not turn off. In the end, 21 men and 18 women, ranging in age from 26 to 72, 
committed suicide in mass. Eleven victims came from New Mexico, eight from Texas, four from California and four from Colorado, and three from Arizona. There were also victims from Washington, Ohio, Minnesota, and Florida. After identifying each person, the next of kin were called to inform them of what happened. In some cases, there were no next of kin found. Several family members were so confused and felt betrayed. Later, some explanation of the group's actions were determined during the investigation. Leading up to the suicide, 38 of the 39 members recorded their what they called exit video, which were meant to be shown to the ones they left behind. In each video, members were sincerely enthusiastic about their plans and were unusually calm about what was going to happen to them. Each one spoke highly of Marshall, who they called Doe, and were excited and glad to be joining him to the next level. It was clear that each one died on their own free will and had absolutely no regrets. One of those who died in San Diego was Suzanne Cook, 39 years old at the time, and the wife of Wayne Cook. Wayne used to be a member of Heaven's Gate until he defected in 1994. He was utterly devastated at the news of the group's deaths and, in an interview, felt truly sorry that he was not a part of the graduation. As other former members of the group learned about the news, more and more came together. Charles Humphreys caught up with Wayne Cook and together they mourned their friends, but celebrated their graduation to the next phase. In their grief, the two men checked in a Holiday Express in Encinitas, not far from Rancho Santa Fe. Six weeks after the suicides, in room 222, Charles and Wayne got dressed in all black, put on their tennis shoes, packed a small bag, placed a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets, and used the same concoction of drugs washed down with vodka, wore plastic back to their heads, and suffocated. They both wanted to be with their loved ones and friends so badly, but only Wayne died and Charles was in critical condition. Their plans were found out because of the exit video received by Wayne and Suzanne's daughter, where Wayne says that he had to follow Suzanne and that he is truly happy to do so. Although Charles survived, he felt the need to carry on the work that Marshall and Bonnie originally set out to do. Charles updated their website and proselytized their doctrines to anyone who would listen. But in February 1998, Charles decided to graduate from Earth and perform the same ritual to end his life in the Arizona desert. But instead of ingesting a lethal dose of drugs and washing down with alcohol, he suffocated himself with a plastic bag attached to a car's exhaust pipe. He left a purple shroud next to him and a note that says, Do not revive. The final death count in the Heaven's Gate mass suicide is 41. Days after the incident, a toll-free number was set up for any family members or relatives of those who died. Within 24 hours, over a thousand phone calls were fielded and received and cataloged. 
Many of these relatives have lost contact with their loved ones for months, in some cases, years. When relatives were identified, they were shown the exit videos. The families were obviously very upset and were crying over the messages they received, in contrast with the happy and content, calm appearance of each victim in the video. In 1998, former members of the Heaven's Gate sued San Diego County who wanted to auction off the belongings left by those who died to use the proceedings to reimburse the families for funerals and wakes. A couple named Mark and Sarah King worked with the group during its early years and came to an agreement with the county to receive the group's property. They were a part of the group but left in the late 80s. The couple bought documents, artwork, and other items for $2,000 and vowed never to sell or profit from these items. Along similar lines, Nike immediately stopped the production and distribution of Nike Decades, which was the same model that the group wore that day. But if you happen to have one in your closet, I heard that it sells for about $7,000 right now. If you are ever in Hollywood, California, and are lucky enough to visit the Museum of Death, some of the actual clothes worn by the members at the time of death, shrouds, and bunks are on display. The original website is still working to this day, with the same 90s graphics and video teachings from Marshall and Bonnie. And if you send them an email, you are likely to receive a response. Lastly, according to scientists, Comet Hale-Bopp will not make its appearance for a long, long time. But there are for sure other ones that can come close. Is it possible to learn from the Heaven's Gate tragedy and stop it before it happens? Or is something very similar already happening right now? Thank you for listening to this episode of Untimely. If you are interested in Heaven's Gate and would like to know more about the story, I recommend listening to Heaven's Gate podcast hosted by Glenn Washington. I also would like to reiterate that suicide is not the answer as we have learned in this episode. You are not alone. Call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can also donate to this important cause and help thousands of those who are suffering. If you are listening to this podcast, please take a minute and subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, TuneIn, or wherever you are enjoying this podcast. Stop by and say hi to us on Twitter at Untimely Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.